just make sure that I'm, there we go, we're on. Thanks, uh, JP, for leading us in worship this morning, too. It's so good to, uh, it's good to be able to sing and worship God with you. It's a real privilege for Robin and I to be back with you here this morning. We're really thankful for you as a church family and for uh, the encouragement that you have been to us. Um, it was almost 11 years ago that, uh, actually, I guess 11 years ago uh, this summer that, uh, that Robin and I uh, moved from uh, being with you here at Grace each Sunday to uh, back to move up to Ottawa. And uh, so I'm hoping this morning to share with you a little bit of an overview of, um, of the ministry that we're engaged in. Uh, Robin and I serve as an extension of Grace Baptist as missionaries, um, and we work, um, we work uh, with Power to Change. Uh, with Power to Change, we help people know Jesus and experience his power to change the world. And, um, and so uh, I'll give you a little bit of an overview of what that looks like so that you have an idea uh, of how to pray uh, for what God is doing in the various ministries of Power to Change. And then also uh, we're going to open up God's Word together and spend some time uh, looking to him for what he would have for us this morning. Um, so... Uh, first of all, the, uh, w- maybe you noticed this morning actually that when Dirk introduced me, he actually mentioned that I'm involved in a ministry that's a little different than what you might be familiar with. I've generally reported to you and shared with you updates from what God is doing amongst college and university students. So, and I'm very, very thankful for uh, the student ministry of Power to Change, which continues to uh, grow actually over the past uh, over the past 15 years that we've been involved in student ministry, there are almost 3,000 students who have begun their relationship with God on secular college and university campuses in Canada through the Ministry of Power to Change students. Um, there are students who, uh, and there are, I would say, uh, thousands others who have learned to share their faith, who have learned to live out their faith, uh, while they've been on campus. And uh, we're so thankful to actually have been a part of what God is doing in student ministry. Over the past year or so, Robin and I have sensed God leading us to make a change um, and to accept a new role and a new group of people to serve. The whole process has been quite stimulating for us to actually be thinking through, okay, how do we take everything that we're, we've learned working with university students and transfer it to a new context. Um, You can see here within Power to Change there are a number of different ministries that kind of fall under the banner of the over the overall ministry and so uh, we have shifted our focus from working with college and university students to working with government leaders Uh, so uh, leaders who are in Parliament, members of Parliament, senators um, and uh, diplomats, so ambassadors, those who are working with embassies in Ottawa, in Ottawa as well, uh, and uh, and business business people, business executives, and um, so there are uh, there are some similarities, uh, and there are also uh, there are also many differences actually in how we go about how we go about our ministry. So uh, Paul just asked me if I would just take a moment to share with you a little bit about what that transition looks like for us and what this new ministry holds. So I'm really thankful for um, uh, when Robin and I were in the midst of uh, transitioning. 
uh, Paul knew that we were transitioning into a new ministry and and uh, and reached out to us and spent some time just uh, with us and praying with us as well uh, on the phone as we considered uh, what God has in store in this in this next phase of of our ministry and I'm really thankful for uh, for your support for us in that as a church and for his um, in uh, in caring for us in that way uh, the Christian Embassy of Canada serves, I already mentioned, ambassadors, senators, members of parliament. Um, it inspires leaders with the person and values of Jesus. Uh, you can get a sense of uh, who, who we're kind of connecting with uh, in Ottawa. Uh, it's been around for the past 30 years, and um, God has given inc- uh, incredible favor to the ministry. It's a catalyst for bringing together representatives of government, the diplomatic corps, and business and professional communities. A couple years ago, um, I remember uh, joining the Christian Embassy. Uh, I used to like to, when I was on campus every day, uh, every now and then I would like to just get a just to get a change of scenery. And so I would ask the Christian Embassy staff, could I just come and shadow you for a day and just go and work on Parliament Hill for the day? Uh, so I'd take off my flip-flops and put on the suit and uh, go on campus, or go not on campus, I'd go to the hill with them. <laughs> and um, as I did, I remember one time uh, joining a Christian Embassy staff member as he coordinated a roundtable discussion over lunch with a cabinet minister and six ambassadors from uh, various countries. And uh, the cabinet minister was a strong, born-again Christian who loves the Lord. And uh, I'll just never forget, because I, I, um, during that lunch that we had together, he had, he had, they had opportunities to speak of uh, various areas of expertise that are within his profile and how various countries handle the same challenges that he handles as well and, and for, for them to get to know one another together. And it also gave opportunity for him to talk about how does his faith relate to his leadership in the role that he's in. And I was just, um, I was really, um, really touched just by his, his courage and his boldness in in speaking of Christ uh, so naturally, just by sharing about how God was at work in his own life, and um, and it gave a great open door, just a great opening opportunity to actually talk about to talk about faith together in this uh, you know in this side room of a, the parliamentary restaurant, and um, and we uh, we left there, and I was talking with this cabinet minister in the hallway after, and I just told him. You know, I it's uh, it's a real honor for me to be able to see how you are living out your faith uh, in uh, in such a high-profile position of leadership. I know that there is faith required of you as you uh, as you speak of Christ and His work in your life. And uh, so he looked at me very cl- uh, very um, directly, and he said, "Don't you get fooled into thinking that being a cabinet minister is my most important job." My first job is to make disciples of Jesus. God just assigned me to do that here in Parliament. And I thought, oh, we talk with students about this all the time and encourage them and challenge them in this. But to actually see that here is a man who is living this out day to day and um, and seeking to make disciples, uh, it was just a great encouragement to be able to witness. Uh, 
The Christian Embassy also sponsors uh, ambassador tours. You'll actually see on the next slide here. Uh, let's go one more. There we go. So uh, on this slide, you'll see just a few of the different uh, strategies or connection points that are often helpful for us in building relationships with those that we serve in these different in these three different communities in particular. Um, I already just shared with you a little bit about a roundtable discussion with the cabinet minister. Um, the uh, another one would be uh, sponsoring ambassador business tours, uh, made up which are made up of three heads of mission uh, who present their countries to business executives in a particular province, and they along the way discover. Canadian innovations, culture, uh, they're able to build relationships as well with, uh, with business executives um, and, uh, and experience their hospitality in their own homes as well, which is, uh, which is a great, uh, great connection piece. It allows those business executives to also have opportunity to, uh, to represent Christ um, amongst other leaders. Uh, international delegations allow for Canadian political and business leaders to visit their overseas counterparts to interact on common concerns. God often opens doors on these visits for the gospel to become central in the conversations that they're having between leaders. Um, perhaps it may be helpful for you just to hear from uh, just a different voice for just a moment. Uh, a little bit of what, so how does the, how does the ministry of the Christian Embassy of Canada actually have an impact in the life of a cabinet minister. So there's a former cabinet minister that uh, I've asked to come and share with you today a little bit about what, how it's been helpful for him. After being in public life for 25 years at the provincial and at the federal level, as a, a provincial minister of finance, as a cabinet minister, as a member of parliament, I've got a lot of memories, but I can tell you some of the things that stand out most are the moments that I was able to spend uh, with people from the Christian Embassy, or moments that they were able to spend with me, or with my colleagues. I can tell you about former Prime Ministers that I've talked to, who talk about folks from the Christian Embassy being in his office, praying with him, uh, bringing tears to his eyes. I can tell you about uh, missions I've gone on with the Christian Embassy, where I have, before my very eyes, seen people uh, turn and give their, their hearts and souls to following Jesus Christ. It wouldn't have happened had it not been for people, not just from the Christian embassy, but for those who support it. I can honestly say I have seen members of parliament, because of the fact that someone from the Christian embassy was there to encourage them, to support them, a nonpartisan way, but just showing them the love of Christ, have literally been able to make decisions that have affected the nation in a profound way. So people say to me, do you know about the Christian embassy? I say, yeah, I know about the Christian embassy personally. I know how the Christian embassy has impacted my life, the life of my colleagues, and even the life of leaders in other nations. It's a very key way in which you can meet the requirements of the Great Commission and literally change the world yourself. Thank you. Did you just a, a snapshot? Um, it's, uh, 
I have been just amazed by the favor that God has given to the staff of the Christian Embassy amongst those that they serve uh, in Ottawa. Um, there are uh, they they join with members of Parliament uh, to pray together uh, every Thursday morning uh, to study Scripture together. Uh, they meet with groups of ambassadors who gather together to study the Bible together uh, and to pray together um, with junior diplomats um, and uh, and spend time discipling them as well and giving opportunity to uh, those who are uh, those those who are Christians to share their faith. Uh, they create a platform from which. Uh, those uh, those people are able to engage and interact with their colleagues, and um, it's it's profound to me that God has, in the midst of uh, everything that's going on with the uh, political situation in Canada, um, that in the midst of this, God is at work in the hearts of men and women who serve uh, as uh, political and diplomatic leaders. Uh, in the country it's um, and so it's a real uh, it is a privilege to be able to come alongside them and to serve them uh, in these uh, in these ways we can often um, through uh, through simply building relationships and being actively involved on Parliament Hill um, it gives God gives us opportunities to pray with and to encourage those who are going through uh, well who are living very pressure filled lives and um and uh you know it's often it is often for us in uh times of crisis or just intense situations that God draws us to himself that he he highlights for us and allows us to see uh our need for him uh and so uh this ministry i find gives opportunity to to bring Christ into these conversations with people who, uh, leaders who can often be lonely. Uh, leadership can be lonely and uh, life can be lonely. Uh, today, as we open up the Bible, I would like us to explore together uh, how, uh, because of Jesus, we are no longer alone. And that uh, though we may actually even feel pressure in our lives, be in pressure-filled situations, um, we can know that whatever we are walking through, uh, wherever we find ourselves today, we are no longer alone because of him. And uh, I am so thankful for that. Uh, I'd like to read together, we're going to read together 1 John 1. And, um, and it's going to, I think, in this passage, God was drawing me to this passage to, to, to reflect on. Uh, simply because of how there is a clear focus on fellowship in this passage. Both fellowship between us and God and fellowship between uh, one another. Um, friendship. Uh, but even more than friendship, there is a, um, uh, a deep connection between us that, um, that provides encouragement and support for one another and that we're able to uh, grow alongside one another in our faith. So, uh, however, as we open up this passage and read it together, I just want to pause for a moment and recognize that 
perhaps this morning uh, we are uh, living a pressure-filled life. Uh, perhaps this morning um, there might be something in your heart uh, or in mine that keeps us from hearing God's voice. Um, and uh, I just want to give us a moment to pray and just to ask God, just to put that before him and uh, just to give it to him, whatever it is, anything that might hinder you from hearing God's voice this morning. If there's anything that is in your heart that way, could you just take a moment right now? I'm just going to give us a minute just to pray on our own and then I'll continue. Thank you, Lord, that you are the God who speaks and, uh, and who has come to live among us and to die and, uh, and that you live. Thank you that uh, we can open up your word and we can hear from you today. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would give us understanding, insight, that you would also give us faith to apply your word, that you would, uh, that you would use it, uh, even as we have already prayed, Lord, as a mirror, um, that you would use your word in our lives to uh, allow us to see where you, uh, where you desire to work in our hearts today. And uh, pray, Lord, that you would meet with us here as we do so. Thank you for this, Lord. Thank you for the opportunity to continue in worshiping you uh, as we put our faith in you. In Christ's name. Amen. Um, so there's a little bit of a background here for 1 John 1. There was a lot of confusion uh, floating around from, uh, from or, uh, or mysticism uh, as John was writing. The Gnostics laid claim to the idea that there was a secret mystical knowledge to be attained beyond the physical world. It required special enlightenment. But John is actually really clear here. If we're going to read the passage together, as we do, the first two verses, you're going to notice that there are verbs that John uses. And uh, the verbs are really concrete. Um, they're, not, uh, they're not referring to a mystical idea uh, that we put our faith in. But they're, they're very concrete. You're going to see them. So as we just read here, the, we'll read the first 10 verses, actually the whole chapter, the first 10 verses. That's all that there are in the chapter. And, uh, but as we do, the first couple verses in particular, just uh, put your finger on them as we read them maybe and just take note of what those verbs are in the, uh, this is a good grammar, grammar lesson for us here as well. <laughs> so uh, let's read together. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and testified to it, proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you 
so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. The the did you catch the did you catch the verbs there uh, that we read in those in those in that especially in that first paragraph there we read over and over John uses words like uh, we have we have seen him we have we heard him we looked at him <laughs> right we touched him <laughs> over and over this is not this is in Christianity we are not called to. Uh, mystical ideas, but instead we are called uh, to experience a living fellowship, uh, an actual relationship with a person, with someone, not something. Um, A Christian is not someone who adheres to a set of ideas or beliefs alone, or one who has joined a church or, or just signed a doctrinal statement or something like this. We are saved for relationship with a person, not with an idea, We don't have life because we follow a code or have been enlightened with a special knowledge, but because Jesus laid down his life for us. This is really significant. Um, Through a uh, series of little adventures yesterday, I got to become friends with a a wonderful tow truck driver here in Toronto. And, uh, (laughs) uh, And, you know, as we were driving... Uh, we were talking together because it was just just him and I in this car, and I thought it's really something that God would bring us together to spend this amount of time just sitting the two of us as we drive through the streets of Toronto, and um, and so as we were driving, um, we were we were talking, and he was saying to me that he was saying, you know, that what defines a Muslim or what defines a Christian is what you do. It's, it's how well you follow the Quran. That's how it defines a good Muslim. And, uh, and what, what defines a Christian is how well you follow the Bible. How you follow all of the teachings and the rules that are laid out in the Bible. And he even said to me, you know, it frustrates me because I, uh, I have many Christian friends. And I mean, you guys pray on Sundays. He said this to me. But you know. We pray five times a week, five times a day. Sorry, and uh, and uh, and he said, but I even know many of my Christian friends. They skip their prayers on Sunday, and uh, and so he defined that as being a bad Christian. Um, and uh, he said that there are bad Muslims as well. He acknowledged uh, in this way, using the same standard. Uh, however, his definition of what makes a good or a bad Christian is is how much you do. Is that our definition for what a Christian is? 
simply someone who does things for God, uh, who somehow or other is able to follow a code of rules and requirements that meet a standard that, that God expects of us? No, this is not what a Christian is. Um, a Christian is someone who lives in, rela- who lives in relationship with Jesus. Um, we are saved for a relationship with a person, not with an idea. Uh, we don't have life because we follow a code or because we've been enlightened with some special knowledge, but because Jesus laid down his life for us, because he showed you that he loves you so much that he would give his life for you. And he invites you to experience life with him, not as a, not as a dutiful requirement, but as a child of God. Uh, you know, the purpose of our relationship is not just to become better friends with one another uh, here, at, here at Grace as you're worshiping together, as you're, as you're meeting together, uh, but to encourage one another in developing our friendship with Jesus. So in order to do that, we need to intentionally bring Jesus into our conversations, actually be spending time talking about him as well, and looking for ways that we can pray for one another so that it is not just simply a connection between uh, two people, but that we are, we are seeking, to, seeking to actually encourage one another, to draw one another to God to Christ. Uh, Friends can drift apart, and similarly, a living fellowship must be cultivated. Uh, Jesus needs to be central in our conversations. He is our example in relating to one another. Uh, So how does he, uh, what is his example? Let's look at one passage here, uh, just briefly in Philippians chapter 2. Verses 3 to 8. I'll just read it for us as well. It says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he, fa- he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So our fellowship is living, the in fellowship that God invites us to experience is a living fellowship because we have a relationship with a person rather than an idea. And John highlights this in these first verses using the, using the concrete languages, language that he does. Uh, as we invite Jesus to be the center in our relationships with one another as well, um, uh, he uses our friendships to help us become more like him. Uh, secondly, God wants us to experience a joyful fellowship. He changes the nature of our relationship with him. Actually, if you look at chapter 2, the next verse uh, that we didn't, we didn't read, but let's just read it together. He, he writes, My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Did you notice how he refers to Jesus? He refers to Jesus as our advocate. We have an advocate 
uh, if, if I simply looked at what I do and do not do um, in, uh, it, as that being the foundation for what actually saves me, that brings me to God, then, um, then I have a different picture of Jesus. But here in the Bible, we find Jesus pictured as our advocate, not our accuser, not the one who is coming to condemn but the one, in, one who is coming to save, to bring peace. Um, we also find later in the book of First uh, John, chapter 3, verses 1 to 2, we can see another picture here as well. First uh, John, chapter 3, verses 1 and 2 say, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has, yet, has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. Uh, we are children of God. Um, and we are called children of God. God chooses to... Uh, to give us benefits that come with adoption as well as his children. He gives us good things in Matthew 7, verse 11. He shows compassion in Psalm 103:13. God hears our prayers. He gives us his kingdom. He disciplines us. He forgives us. He teaches us. He is with us. He holds us close. He's making us to be like Jesus. Uh, he changes the very nature of our relationship with him. He's not our accuser. He's our advocate. Uh, he, he adopts us as his children, and he's our father in heaven. So following him, walking with him in the light is, our, is a joy uh, and not a, not a burden. Our fellowship with God flows out into our relationship with others as well. Um, and so, uh, when we when we uh, when we recognize that uh, we are God's children, that He's adopted us, that He is our advocate, not our accuser, there is not a need for us to defend ourselves. Uh, Jesus is our advocate. Uh, I don't need to have my eyes fixed on myself and always be concerned about my own interests, as Philippians reminded us, as we just read in Philippians two, but. Um, Instead, I can, I can actually care about the interests of others. I can look to their interests because Jesus is my advocate, um, which allows me to, to encourage others as well, to help them to, uh, uh, to growing in their relationship with Jesus uh, as their advocate as well. So God, uh, God changes the nature of our relationship with him. Uh, which produces joy in us. And as he does so as well, he works through us and allows us to experience joy uh, as he works through us. Uh, so one thing I actually think of often is when I first when I first started working in student ministry, we were here at Grace, we were working at York University and the University of Toronto. 
uh, one of the things that really gr uh, helped me to grow in my relationship with God was that every day I walked onto campus, I was doing things that uh, I'd never done before really, or that I was really nervous of doing. And uh, there was a lot of inexperience in doing the things that I was doing, right? And uh, so as I was interacting with students and talking with them about uh, about faith, uh, there there was uh, I was learning on the on, on the job learning, right? We uh, we probably have all had different jobs like that. So, um, but what I found was that my faith grew tremendously. Because it required every day, my lack of experience actually required me to put my trust in God's spirit to lead me and give me the words to say, rather than having like a bank of knowledge that I could draw on for, for responding to different questions that students had along the way. And that was really helpful for, grow, for me growing in my faith. Uh, as the years have gone on, and as I have served on campus in different, in different capacities, uh, there can be a tendency for us to simply become self-dependent, to actually, to kind of be able to, well, we have actually some experience now. We can draw on knowledge that we already have. And so increasingly in our lives, there can be a tendency for us to, be, to look to ourselves and our own experience to be able to solve challenges that we face. Um, however, uh, this can stagnate us in our growth, in our faith in our trust in God. If we don't take time to recognize how God is at work uh, th through us, what he is doing, yes, it is our responsibility to take a step of faith, to put our trust in him, and to do things that are outside of our comfort zone. In talking with colleagues, uh, in talking with friends and neighbors about him as well. Especially in evangelism, I find that this is the the probably the most significant area where God highlights this for me, my need for him to work in my life. Um, but uh, And so taking time to both take that step of faith to trust God, to put myself out there, and, uh, and then to also to stop to after to reflect on that and to say, God, how, how did you work through me in that situation? And just take time to praise him and to celebrate with him that he is at work, that he is, that he is doing this through you uh, as you're sharing your faith with those around you. Uh, it, uh, it, it helps us, that practice of taking time to pause and celebrate God's hand at work through you can help us to take our eyes off of ourselves and to put them on Christ. Uh, so let's recap uh, here as we go. So first, our fellowship is a living fellowship. Second, our fellowship is a joyful fellowship because God changes both who we are and how we love. Um, it brings us joy to talk together about what he has done and what he is doing uh, as he works through us as well as we talk with others about him. Thirdly, finally, God wants us to experience an authentic fellowship. Um, fellowship together with one another is actually a means of grace. Um, through fellowship with one another, we can experience God's grace. We can, we can know that though there are, there are uh, areas in my life that I might be ashamed of, that I might actually, that I might want to keep 
private to myself, when I share them with another believer, they can resonate with this as well and recognize, hey, there are areas in my life that I am, I am uh, ashamed of, that I, that I actually would rather keep in darkness. But in this passage here, we're reminded to, bring, uh, to walk in the light. And so uh, vulnerability of being willing to actually share these areas of our life with other believers is one means by which we are able to experience God's grace uh, and we can relate with one another and not, uh, and not live as if, um, uh, as if God's acceptance of us is based on our works alone. So perhaps today, there may be a few obstacles um, preventing us from experiencing fellowship with God. If we read these, the rest of this, the other second paragraph of this uh, passage, we can see that there are three obstacles that may stand in the way. One of them is if we say we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness. If we ignore sin in our lives. Another one, if we say we have no sin, if we deny sin, say it's not really sin. Or if we say that we have not sinned, we rationalize it. If we ignore it, we deny it, we rationalize it, we cut ourselves off from being able to experience a living fellowship, a joyful fellowship, an authentic fellowship with, with God and with others with one another. And, um, but, so, if we, if we desire to experience fellowship as God has called us to, um, if we desire to experience this, we need to recognize that I, I can't, I can't ignore sin. I can't deny it. I can't rationalize it. I actually just simply have to call it what it is. I have to be willing to talk about it. Especially I need to talk about it with God. Every day I need to be looking at my life and I need to be asking God, God, show me. Show me if there is any wicked way in me. Um, lead me the way you want me to go. We're reminded of this. John reminds us of this. Uh, throughout the passage, uh, calling us. He says, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. He tells us in verse 7, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Look at verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Um, let's pray. Thank you, Lord, that uh, that we don't have to uh, we don't have to hide. Everything is laid bare before you, and uh, we don't have to uh, ignore, deny, rationalize sin in our lives. But instead, we can lean on you knowing that you are our advocate. And uh, thank you that we can come clean before you 
And with one another as well, we can allow others to see even the things in us that we find to be ugly. We know are. But you, Lord Jesus, um, you have made it possible for us to be called your children. So thank you for thank you for your grace that you have shown towards us. Thank you for calling us into fellowship with yourself and uh, and with one another. And Lord, I pray that we today would experience a living, a joyful, and authentic fellowship uh, with you and with one another. We ask you for this in Christ's name. Amen.